mom of three living in the Bay Area, California. I'm really excited to have our guest on today, Morgan Shepard, who is a certified transformational nutrition coach um, and who is a friend of mine in the fitness industry. Morgan, thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So uh, the question I asked you when you told me that you were a transformational nutrition coach was, what is that and how is it different from uh, just like a regular nutrition coach? So transformational nutrition is sort of the modern version of nutrition. It's three Mm -hmm. pillars of mental, physical, and spiritual nutrition. So all of those things combined together for your overall well-being. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of what I base my own coaching program on. Yeah. And did that feel more authentic to you? Like it seems like that called to you um, more than like just a traditional route. What was meaningful about that for you? I feel like that oftentimes fitness and like nutrition are separated when mm-hmm. in reality it's sort of a it's it's all standing together so that like each pillar holds up the table and it, it's mm-hmm. like one big giant thing that has to work together because if one isn't working, then your table's going to fall over. Right. And you know, this also feels like when we think about nutrition and fitness, people see it as being separate. Like physical fitness is separate from mental fitness, right? Or like mental health, like seeing these as being two different things, you know, two different sort of ways of working on yourself and something that I've not only learned in my own time, but also through my work with clients is that they're very closely intertwined, right? Like it's, you know, you can't, if you're having a hard time with your mental health, right? You're having mental health challenges, like that's going to manifest in your body, Absolutely. you know, and, and potentially in your nutrition. And also possibly do you see the same thing with nutrition? Like if someone wasn't really taking care of themselves from a nutritional standpoint, how would you see that manifest in them? Well, on like I mean, a spiritual I, I, and mental level. Yeah, I mean, if your nutrition's not on point, you're gonna be experiencing a lot more fatigue, and like, mm-hmm. there's science behind what you eat affecting your gut microbiome and your actual like mental health and mm-hmm. things like that. So just putting them together to be like, okay, what am I eating that is making me feel sad or making me feel mm-hmm. fatigued? And then how is that showing up in the ways that I work out or, you know, right. that kind of thing. I love that because it gives, it, it empowers someone to say, okay, so I'm having like a depression and anxiety symptoms. Can I try the least intrusive thing first? Like as behavior analysts, we're always trying to figure out what's the least intrusive thing I can start with before we add in medication or some like more intense therapy, you know? So can I make these small changes? And if that's not impactful, then you move up to the next thing. So that's, it's almost like a prescription that you use with your clients to kind of see if that's enough, right? And then um, move forward from there. So tell me about your journey. Tell me about your fitness journey. Have you always been, you know, from this mindset or is this something that evolved over time? Gosh, no. Um, So as a young child, I only did, I really only worked out because I had to for like requirements Mm -hmm. for school. (laughs) And then (laughs) when I went to college, I was like, I had seen the Mighty Ducks movies and I really wanted to be an ice hockey player even though I grew mm-hmm. up in a place that had no ice. So California, just right? Super cool. What? 
Southern California, right? <laughs> no, I actually grew up in Casablanca, no, Morocco. Um, but yeah, oh, there's wow. no ice okay, there. Okay. okay. <laughs> yes. And so I was like, okay, I want to try this new thing. But I also saw the community aspect of a team, and that really interested me. And so I joined the ice hockey team. It was amazing, but obviously mm-hmm. college ended, and then I was sort of left in a lurch with, with nothing. And I had to figure it out right. for myself. And working right. in a bakery, I gained like 16 pounds, and my health sort of like deteriorated. Mm-hmm. And... It was during that time that I sort of, I was trying to figure out, okay, what is going to make me happy? How can I like find some other form of community or like connection that would like make me enjoy life more? And I found triathlon and that was one of the biggest game changers for me. So finding, finding a type of movement that made me happy was like the biggest change I think I went through. Right. Well, essentially what we're doing is trying to pair an aversive stimulus of physical exertion with something that's enjoyable or positive, right? And, you know, for you, it's triathlon. For, you know, me, it's weightlifting. For a lot of people, it's not the exercise itself, but like you said, it's the community. Like you're thinking, sure, I'll do ice hockey if it means that there's this community of people that I really enjoy, you know, being around. Um, So finding a way to make your fitness journey really – really reinforcing in a lot of different ways so that you can sustain it over time. And also something that I learned about you recently is that you also studied, you went to culinary school. Tell me about I that. Did. I mean, so you, and that's how you ended up working in a bakery. So you, you're like, you're a foodie, <laughs> right? I mean, obviously you like really good foods and here you are on this fitness journey, right? Tell me about how this is, how do you find a way to still do this? You know, how do you find a way to feed yourself well, but not like, you know, not like you're well, working in a bakery? It's, it's interesting because when I, when I found triathlon, I sort of realized that my nutrition was not supporting my performance mm-hmm. and I had to re relearn how to make that work for me. Right. And obviously going to culinary school taught me a lot about nutrition from like a cooking perspective. So I could do Mm -hmm. wonderful things with vegetables, but like from a nutrition perspective, I was kind of like, okay, I need more education. Right. And so now I'm a vegan, but Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily like my clients aren't vegan. They're, Mm -hmm. they're allowed to eat whatever they want, but I look at it from the perspective of how are you getting the most nutrition out of what you're consuming? Right. So like... You're trying to say, you're not restricting, but you're saying how can we increase the, the, the nutritional density of the foods that you're eating? Exactly. So a lot of like the things I'll focus on is like, let's, let's increase your vegetable consumption. Like add more greens to your, your lunch. Like one client I talked to, she put spinach in her... They put spinach in their sandwiches and like... Mm-hmm. Now that's a thing that like, if it's not there, they're like, oh, I noticed that, you know, it's right. not as, it's not as good for me. Mm-hmm. So like tiny, easy ways of like kind of sneaking some things in. Yeah, exactly. I mean, cause spinach, it's not going to, it's not going to significantly chase or change the flavor, 
but you're going to get a little bit of those micronutrients in there, right? A little crunch. And just the act of doing it, it's like this is a healthy choice that I'm making. And the more mm -hmm. little healthy choices you make, the more you get into the mindset of, oh, this isn't that hard. Let me keep doing these little things. Right. Yes. That's kind of something that I've recognized is really tricky is that uh, many clients, when they initially come to me, they think, this is going to be hard and it's going to suck. And so you almost have to, you have to deprogram them. You know, you're thinking, you're, you're trying to communicate, listen, this is actually meant to be really fun and enjoyable. And, and the only way to sustain it is if it's fun and enjoyable. So how can we do that? Right. Yeah. So that you can stick around longer in this fitness journey. So what I love about your triathlon journey and kind of eating to fuel your sport is that it's not focused on uh, aesthetics or a specific body type. It's really focused on performance and trying to fuel your body so that you can do the sport that you really love. Um, and a way of accessing, you know, friendship, connection, uh, and physical, you know, the physical health, the physical exertion that also comes along with that, right? It's, it's sort of like, I just want to fuel all of that. I don't want to look like this specific person on Instagram, or I don't want to have this specific body type, right? And that's kind of what we're fighting in the industry is supporting people to pivot kind of away from that. Was that ever a thing for you that you struggled with, you know, where you, it wasn't focused on performance, but it was focused on something different? Absolutely. So like in the beginning, I inherited my grandfather's big hips. So I have a very mm -hmm. large butt and for the mm -hmm. longest time I was uncomfortable with it. And I, mm -hmm. I didn't realize that that's an asset that people like actually. Okay. <laughs> yes. Um, an asset. Yes. <laughs> yep. But it was like, it was one of the biggest things in my childhood that I was like, I don't want to look like this person. And it mm -hmm. took me a really, really long time before I realized that I was okay with it because it sort of represented my strength. I mean, that's my legs mm -hmm. are how I get up mountains on my bicycle now. Like they're mm -hmm. how I hike mm -hmm. mountains and things like that. So right. it, the more I became comfortable in my own body, the more I realized it was powerful. Yes. Yeah. I love that. I love when women can see their bodies as powerful, right? Showing up in the world with a goal of trying to get more and more capable and stronger and not smaller necessarily. Yeah. And I mean, yes, piece. it's yes, exactly. And yeah, like larger, you know, larger hips, larger, butt. all of these things have sort of like, thank God evolved to be acceptable in women. But during the time we were growing up, you know, um, this was not the norm. I mean, I remember the norm was like low rise jeans and, you know, tiny little straight up and down, you know, yep. stick figure, right? Like this was, that was the norm of the time. I was not a us twig. 80s babies. No, no. It was like, you know, and that's just, that's the structure of your body right there. So like, there's nothing you can do about that, right? And so you grow up feeling like there's something wrong with you when you're trying to have the body of something else, someone else versus pivoting towards uh you know how is this this is this is beneficial to like actually being the best at something that is really meaningful to me so are you tell me about your eating now what is your what's kind of what are you eating what's your eating strategy like how are you coaching your people 
So I'm vegan, as I mentioned, and I eat, Mm -hmm. I'd say I probably eat 55% veggies regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I make up the rest with mostly beans and fats and carbs. But I try and choose, like, better carbs. Right. I, I like to say better carbs because, to me, things that are processed, so, like, highly processed pastas or like certain white breads to me they don't provide as much nutritional value and then I'm left hungry an hour later Mm, right whereas if I go that's the tricky part yes your body moves through plants very quickly right yeah so I I probably eat like four times what the average human eats but (laughs) it's a full-time job okay yeah especially when you're an athlete I mean I would say most yes. of the athletes that I talk to, they're probably not eating enough food anyways. Yes, that is exactly right. So I have a friend who is vegan and a cyclist, and she likes to do long, long rides, like 100-mile rides. And she told me what her breakdown was for nutrition recently, and she was eating like 1,300 calories a day, which was oh appalling. God. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh, you need to like double that. Yeah, I mean, the wonderful thing is like when you're eating to be skinny – 1300 calories is fine but if you want to get fast right and that's her goal that's her main goal so it's sort of like accepting listen if this sport is really important to me I'm gonna have to accept eating a lot like I'm gonna Mm -hmm. have to allow myself I'm gonna have to give myself permission to finally do that you know as much as I need to in order to be successful I mean you have to choose do you want to feel really weird Yes. Like, yes. I get people, people look at me and they're like, wow, you're going to eat all that? And I'm like, yes, I am. Because yeah. there was a couple of times I was training for Ironman and I was working out so much that I lost my period. Yes. And yes. That is because I was not eating enough food. Like, right. usually when that happens, it's because your body's in extreme stress and, mm-hmm. and you're just, you're not supporting what you're doing. And once I right. started doubling what I was eating, Wow. It came back. (laughs) Right. Oh, my gosh. That happened to me for a time, too. And actually, I don't think people talk about this enough in fitness. You know, you look on Instagram and you see people who are super shredded. And some of those people, I can't speak for all of those people, but especially women, this is not easy to sustain. Like, many of those women might not be menstruating. I know that was the case for me. And it's sort of accepted. I remember my uh, coach at the time was like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It'll come back when we start eating more. And I thought, gosh, even six months not menstruating seems dangerous for your bone health, you know. And for somebody to, and for that to sort of just be an accepted norm, um, it's really it's really sad because the whole point of doing this is health, right? Absolutely. But if you're eating so little that you've lost your period, it kind of seems like maybe you've have we lost sight you know, of the reason that we started doing this in the first place. I mean, a lot of times, a a lot of times it's also that you're not necessarily eating enough protein, but I think starting with just eat more food in general. Yes. 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 Don't try to be perfect. Don't try to do your macros perfectly. Just get more food in your body. You can shape it over time. So as a vegan, give me like your top, three right for any vegan listeners what are your top three sort of vegan sources of protein i would say probably for me i eat beans i eat white beans and black beans and you know just the whole 
array of beans all the time. Right. <laughs> yeah, the, I'm, yeah, the I'm not really beans. big on like processed foods in the sense mm-hmm. of like I'll eat tofu, but mm-hmm. a lot of like the fake meats, I use those as like a special treat mostly okay. because I don't really know what's in them. Right. And right. like, yeah, you know, a lot of them are frozen and then you have to either bake or fry them. And I don't know. It, it's fun for a change in flavor. Like Gardein makes this right. awesome fish fillet that's like not fish, but fish. Yes, it's delicious. Yeah. But yes. I'll have it like once a month or something like that. Okay. But I eat a lot they of have nuts. really good. Okay. Yeah. I was just going to say Gardein has really good chicken tenders too. They do. <laughs> Which they. I know. Yes. Yeah. I, I will. I mean, if you bread it, if you bread it and I air fry it, like I'm pretty much, I'm happy to eat whatever. Right. That's my love language is breaded and fried. So, um, yeah. So nuts also. Yeah. Okay. I eat a lot of quinoa. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Nuts, quinoa, yeah. beans. And between those things, you, you're feeling, you feel like you you're getting what you need to fuel your performance i do um i haven't raced ironman since i've been vegan but i've done Uh a couple shorter races and Mm -hmm. i've been fine as far as like are you training for anything i am i have three races coming up this year oh my goodness Um, but they're all like olympic distance so nothing crazy okay but olympic distance is still (laughs) pretty challenging i mean olympic distance does it include a what is it a 10k or a half an olympic is is i think it's like almost one mile swim 24 mile bike and then a 10k yeah yeah like back to back maybe i could do any one of those things (laughs) on their own right but we're gonna pair them together yeah that's like a that's gonna be a slow build for me the swimming the swimming comes first too right Yes, but that's so you don't drown. Yes, if you're tired. Okay, good call. That makes sense now. I thought it was to weed out all of us weaklings who, you know, can't. I mean that too. It it empties out the field. (laughs) Yes, dude, I'd be done after the first. (laughs) Yeah, that's not my strength. Um, Okay, so tell me about your method. I know you have a really specific method that you like to use with your clients, and I'd love for you know my people to know about it. So I call it the feed method, and that's mostly because I'm a foodie, and I think we should all be nourishing our bodies, body, mind, and soul. Um, Mm -hmm. And I've broken it down into an acronym with the F being for finding your joyful movement, because I think movement is the the biggest driver. It's where you're going to see the most most results. It's going to make you have the most endorphins and happiness. (laughs) So like that's the thing that you just you keep putting in your day and you'll keep trucking along. You'll get there. And then the E is talking about eating real food. So Mm -hmm. focusing a lot on like whole foods, things that are, you know, they don't come in a box. They don't have a label. Right. Obviously you can still eat all those things, but just limiting that amount. Yes. And then the second E is for establishing those routines and systems that sort of support that whole, you know, lifestyle change. Mm-hmm. And then elevating your environment to sort of promote a sense of 
this is the new life that I want. This is the person I want to become. How can I shape what I'm living in to support that? Mm -hmm. And then lastly, developing self-trust, which that one takes time. That one's the one that that's the cherry on top at the end when you've, you've realized that, Hey, I actually am this person who knows how to support my goals and get there. Right. Right. I said I was going to do it and I did it right at the end of the day. You can sort of like, you can rely on yourself that. And you don't have to like, you can go to an event or you could go to a restaurant and you'll, you know Mm -hmm. that you're going to choose the best thing for you. So you don't have to like freak out about it. Right. And you probably also know um, that if there's a night where you don't choose the best thing, it's not like a fall off the wagon, you're off the wagon kind of thing. It's like you acknowledge that that's just a thing that happens sometimes and it's okay. And you you trust that you'll be right back on or you'll be, yeah, like there's there's a balance there. Right? Exactly. You, know, life you don't have to be going. scared. I mean, like, yeah, we all have these things that happen. Like that is just mm-hmm. the nature of life. You're always going to have mm-hmm. hiccups. You're always going to have moments where you choose the thing that's more indulgent. But right. learning how to like manage them and not mm-hmm. not feel guilty, not feel bad, not feel shame. Just hey, yes. that's that is what happened. I enjoyed it. I did it because I wanted to, and now we move yeah. on. Yes. Yeah. I mean, like. I was just talking to a client the other day about this. They had eaten something, I don't know what it was, indulgent or, you know, and they were kind of like, oh, you know, I'm feeling bad about it. And I was just thinking, if you're going to do it, like why add this layer of shame on top of it? Do it and just be like, yeah, that was so good, right? Really let yourself have the joy instead of feeling like you have to sort of balance it out with like self-criticism or punishment, you know, the next day or later on in the day, almost like that's the penance that you have to, you know, pay, you know, to your trainer, you have to confess it or something, you know, and it's like, that's okay. That's, that's such a part of existing on earth is being able to enjoy Enjoy indulgences. Yes. And, you know, we talked about in our previous conversation, how making your fitness journey reinforcing and rewarding naturally is the only way to sustain it. So that will include sometimes, you know, chocolate, or it will include your, you know, the Gardein fish filet, what is your, besides the Gardein fish filet, I want to know what your indulgent uh, treat is. Um, Talking about treats is my love language, so. Well, this week I had donuts. There's a oh, yes. uh, there's a vegan donut place up in, I think it's Silver Lake, and we stopped by mm-hmm. for some donuts the other day, so I got them for breakfast. Um, oh my goodness. They were great, but I also yes. kind of secretly like deep fried Oreos. I think they're oh, <laughs> but like you gotta get them at the right time. If you wait too long, then they get too soggy. Yes, is this something that you make yourself? No, I found it at a like a food fair. Okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're in that secret. You're in that deep fried Oreo line. I'm always like, I am not eats gonna those? have it. And then there's fryer. Morgan standing. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's dangerous to get a deep yeah. fryer. Like I'd be frying every my apple slices. You know, I'd. Yeah, fried things are just too good. Okay, you got so air deep fryer. fried Oreos. Okay. Air fryer, yes, I can pretty much get all of my needs met with the air fryer. Um, so the interesting thing about, you know, when you talk to me about your method is that from a behavior analytic perspective, a lot of what you're doing is based in uh, behavioral science. And sometimes, you know, good coaches don't even know it. 
you know, when you're when you're a good coach and you're providing a high quality service, you are usually not even aware. You just know that it's been effective for you or you know, you might know some of the research. But a lot of the time it just sort of comes intuitively, you know, and what you're talking about, not only in regards to making the journey more rewarding, but also sort of establishing routines a little bit at a time, you know, and then shaping over time. I think that's the only way I find a lot of my clients get hung up on perfectionism and sort of frustration with themselves when they're not, you know, if we set a goal that they drink four glasses of water a day and they drink three, they're really focused on that one that they didn't drink, right? And they they get stuck there like, I'm still, I sucked, you know, they'll say I sucked today. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's really harsh language. What happened? Oh, I only drank three glasses of water. And I'm thinking, wow. The language has gotten so hostile, right? And people forget to focus on all of the things that they're doing right and then shape those behaviors over time. Do you have sort of this same experience when you're working with clients? Like you have to do some of this mindset work with them? Absolutely. And so one of the ways that I sort of like mitigate that is that I start every session because I do one-on-one coaching. So we have like Mm -hmm. one-on-one sessions and I start every session Mm -hmm. with, so what are your top strengths and wins from the week? So rather than focusing on where you failed, what your struggles were, we start with Mm -hmm. where you were doing successfully thing, doing things successfully. (laughs) And that sort of helps start that mindset of like, oh, I need to start paying attention more to the wins and not the failures. Yes. Is this something that still happens to you even as a coach? You know, do you still find yourself doing this sometimes? Of course, I'm human. Yes. Yes. But, you know, I try and look at it from positive perspectives because if we end up in the the little rat race of, oh, I didn't do this well enough, then Mm -hmm. we'll just get stuck in that cycle. I mean, I'm a perfectionist Mm -hmm. and I've realized over the last year that in starting your own business, the only way you're ever going to get anything done is if you do it imperfectly. Yeah. And that's my attitude with house cleaning now. Like I yes. will have five minutes and I will clean one thing. In yep. in old Morgan world, I wanted to spend all day cleaning the house, but like I don't have time for that. I can't do that. Yes. So I need to do the right. little action that will move me forward. Right. And then really focusing on like being proud of yourself for doing the little action when you could have easily been like, well, if I can't do it, I'm not going to do anything. Exactly. Which is my sort of like either I'm amazing or I'm the worst and there's no in between. You know, this was, you know, hopefully I've evolved past that. But for a long time, for sure, that was something that I was working through. And I'm not sure if that's an artifact of, you know, growing up religious, if that's, you know, capitalism, if that's, you know, I don't know, social media. Like, I don't know what that is, but it seems like that is sort of something that is just across the board a struggle. And we bring it into our workouts too. So like if I, it Mm -hmm. used to be the type of person where I was like, if I can't get in the whole hour of the workout that's planned, well, then I can't do it. But like Mm -hmm. 10 minutes is better than no minutes. So unless I'm injured or I have a valid reason not to work out, I can get in 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. And changing that mindset has been a really big change for me. I think that people think that 10 minutes won't be impactful. So like, why would I do it? But I think what, you know, you might be failing to recognize or what I would be failing to recognize in that moment is that 
yeah, 10 minutes is not going to make a difference today, but over time, 10 minutes is really impactful. And there are, you know, benefits that have nothing to do with, you know, how many calories I'm going to burn during this 10 minutes, but how I'm going to show up for myself, how I'm going to feel after this 10 minutes, how I'm going to trust myself more because I said that I would do it and I did. You know, some of my clients have this like slash the other three, you know, tires mentality where it's like if you get a flat, you just like screw it. You know, there's like if I can't do it perfectly, I'm just going to go crazy. And then what I'm going to do is tomorrow I'm going to like be perfect again. So you get into this binge restrict cycle of I've already messed up. And I remember thinking this as a teenager. I grew up Mormon and I remember thinking, well, I've already sinned. So I'm going to get my sins worth. I'm going to be in the bishop's office anyways on Sunday. Right. So like. I'm going to have fun tonight. And I would go to excess in a way that I probably wouldn't have if I had just allowed myself to be like, yeah, I did that a little bit more than I wanted to. And like, I'm allowed to pull back. I'm allowed to stop mid binge. I'm allowed to do five minutes out of of a 35 minute workout. And that's okay. Like uh, just existing in the gray space, you know, has been really uh, hard to learn. And, and one thing that I talk a lot about with my clients is when you are in like the restrict and binge cycle, extremes mm-hmm. beget extremes. So there's it's really right. hard to get out of it. And if you sort of look at it from, okay, if I just stay in moderation and for example, like me, I have an ice cream addiction but I mm-hmm. found a way to pick healthier alternatives or have a little bit of ice cream, just like right. maybe a couple spoonfuls or like half a cup. And right. that satisfied my craving so that I never ended up on either end. Like I wasn't depriving right. myself of the thing that I wanted. Yes. yes, exactly. This is called non-contingent reinforcement. And this is when you do something for yourself. You allow yourself to have access for something before your desire to have it like reaches this sort of like tipping point where you just have to go crazy right you're just like craving 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 so you want to sort of like catch it before it reaches a point where you're sort of no longer able to make a choice in line with your goals right this preemptive sort of planning and providing yourself with that reinforcement not based on something right it's not contingent on if I do this then I do this it's like I'm allowed to have an ice cream Because I like ice cream and I exist as a human. Like, I don't have to earn it. I don't have to, right? I do the same thing. I'll scoop out an actual serving size of Ben and Jerry's, which is hard because I'll just, you know, make my way through the pint very quickly. And, or I like something that's already sort of pre-portioned, like a bar, you know? And then you're like, that was a delicious bar and I'll eat the whole thing and enjoy it. But allowing yourself to have those things in a way that there's no off track because the track is so wide. Right. It's not this narrow little track. So you can kind of weave around this like big, thick, wide path that's full of gray and you're still on the path. Yep. Okay. So before we go, what's your favorite ice cream flavor? Anything caramel. Okay. (laughs) All right. Um, Yes. So delicious. Make a cashew based. I want to say it's like caramel crunch or something like that. Oh. But that one's really good. I don't like the coconut-based ones because they have a weird flavor. But anything that's cashew-based is delicious. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Cashews. They're so, like, <laughs> deceivingly creamy. Like, you add them to every, anything and it's like a cream sauce. Right. Okay. So, for all my vegans out there, 
so delicious cashew crunch is the one. Yeah. That's the one to go to. Mine would be Ben and Jerry's New York Super Fudge Chunk, and I can put it down. <laughs> I do That's not play. One. Yes. Okay, so Morgan, tell everybody where they can find you, um, share your social handles, and uh, kind of the services that you offer. You can find me at my name on Instagram. It's going to be morgan.e.shepherd. And I'm also on Facebook as Morgan Shepherd. And I have a website, but it's not done yet. So I won't share that. Yes. And website I, is forthcoming. It is coming. It's the process. Yes. Yes. And I would say my services right now, I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching in a personalized nutrition plan we sort of co-create a a program to help you lose weight and get to the body that you want and we do it according to your specific needs and circumstances and in a way that you'll enjoy because I don't want you to feel like you're deprived or restricted and I'm a foodie so I don't want to make you give up the things that you love right yeah. exactly and especially people who I think one of your biggest, the, the coolest things that you bring to the table is that you went to culinary school. So you can teach people to make things good that maybe they haven't, you know, they think, oh, I hate Brussels sprouts. And it's like, well, have you tried it this way? Right? Yep. Like you can teach people to make something in a new way that might be their new favorite. And also teaching people, especially vegans and ve vegetarians, to fuel for performance is really exciting. Yep. So awesome it's been so wonderful to have you thank you for being here on the podcast and uh yeah everyone go follow morgan and keep up with all of her happenings and have a great day morgan thank you thank you